David Haber, and all the others that were responsible for this evening. This is the beginning of something very big for our community, where every few nights during this time period, we will have a number of community rabbis delivering their thoughts on what is going on in the world today and to bring chizuk and comfort to all of us. So what do we have here? Someone in China ate a piece of bat meat and brought back the brought down the world. True? False. Maybe a microgerm appeared by the name of Corona and brought down the world. True? False. So what is it? How did this happen? How did our world turn over inside out, upside down in the last few weeks? Something that we have never seen or ever experienced in our lifetime. How did it happen? And the answer, I believe, is, You are It is only HaKadosh Baruch Hu that did this. It is only HaKadosh Baruch Hu who has the power to do this. So now what? What do we do now? What is HaKadosh Baruch Hu asking from us? What does HaKadosh Baruch Hu want now at this time? Baruch Hu wants to believe in Him. He wants us to have that bitachon, that emunah, that simplistic faith the same way HaKadosh Baruch Hu put us in this mess, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will take us out of this mess. But is it upon us? We have to believe. We have to be ma'amin ba'ashem. What does emunah mean? What does faith mean? Well, I can tell you what faith doesn't mean. Faith, emunah, is not panic. And in the last week or so, we've seen panic. We have seen people fighting in supermarkets over something so ridiculous as, you'll excuse me, toilet paper. We have seen ladies fighting over a piece of meat like we're going to our last meal. This is all panic. Panic is not bitachon, which we are going to explain. Panic is not emunah. No, not at all. The same way we make a beracha ala tova. We have a new house, beracha. New car, beracha. New clothing, beracha. New baby, beracha. Some likes a lot of money and he's sitting comfortably, beracha. The same way we make a beracha on good tidings, so we make a beracha on bad tidings. A beracha? Make a beracha on bad tidings? How could you make a beracha on bad tidings? And the answer is, there's no such thing as bad. We may not understand. We may not be able to see past our nose. But Boreh Olam does not shed ra'ah on us. It's not bad. 
I'd like to share with you a story to get this point across. There was a man who was making a wedding for his daughter, and he ordered a very expensive ketubah. He hired out an artist and a sofed, and that they should create the most beautiful ketubah ever known. And they did something magnificent, beautiful artwork, magnificent writing. They came to the wedding and they took out this large ketubah. People's eyes were popping out of their head from the beauty. And what happened was they called the adim to sign the ketubah. The ad sat down and he took a pen. He wrote his name and he made a mistake and he crossed it out. He did it again and he made another mistake and he crossed it out. And the rabbis at the wedding said, this ketubah is null and void. This ketubah is pasul. They had to take out the regular $6 ketubah with the, with the blanks, with the fill-ins, and that's what they had to use. It was clear to everybody at the wedding that the father of the bride was extremely upset, was shown all over his face, couldn't get over it. The poor, poor aunt who signed that ketubah. Rav Pam, Alava Shalom, Zechet Sadiq Livracha was at that wedding. I was okay to know Rav Pam well. He was a gadol, he was a gaon, Sadiq. They called him the Hafez Hayim of our generation, and he was also the calmest person of his generation. Nothing ruffled his feathers. He was cool, calm, and collected. And he studied the situation. And he went over to the father of the bride and he whispered something in his ear for a few moments. And all of a sudden a smile came across the bride of the father of the bride. And he was happy for the rest of the night, dancing away as if nothing happened. Somebody went over to him at the end of the night and they said to him, tell me, what did Rav Pan whisper in your ear? He said, I'll tell you. Rav Pan said to me, that it's apparent, it seems, that in heaven there's a decree that your daughter should have two ketubahs in her lifetime. Two ketubahs in a lifetime usually means there will, God forbid, be a divorce or has shalom a death. But Hashem, in His infinite kindness, decided to make it easy for your daughter and gave her two ketubahs tonight, and that finishes the decree. And that's why the man was so happy. Rabotai, was Rapam, did Rapam have Ruach HaKodesh? I don't know. Maybe. But he was a person who understood and had Umunah and faith to understand the situation. How we're supposed to look at something. It looks like bad. It's just that we can't see. That's all it is. Yedolei Yisrael could see. We cannot see. We don't see. All Borei Olam wants from us in this situation is to turn to Him. Turn to Him. I want to ask you, is there any way to go? Well, there's Corona in New York. Let's go to Florida. We can't go to Florida. There's Corona. So you know what? Let's go to Israel. We'll pray at the cocktail. We can't go to Israel. There's Corona. Let's go to a third world country. We can't go to the, it's Corona. You know what? Let's go to Canada. They're doing pretty good. 
Canada closed their borders today. We can't go to Canada. Rabotai, there is nowhere to go. What is Borea telling us? Most people are not working anymore. They're sitting home. That's going to be another pandemic. Husbands and wives all home 24-7. We really are facing trouble. What does Hashem want from us? You know what Hashem is telling us? I set this all up. You can't go anywhere. You can't do business. You're going to be sitting home all day long. Right? Turn to me. I need you to see. No longer is the Kohiva Osimiyadi existing in the world. No more. Turn to me. I'm pressing the restart button. I need you to have faith in me. I got you in this. I'll get you out of it. But we need that you have emunah, faith, simplistic faith, to believe in me. And od mi There is no one besides Akashvarahu that can help us in this. So what do we do? We're going to be sitting home all day long. What do we do? Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to share with you something which is really fantastic for our community. And we hope we're going to supply each and every household with at least one. This is a prayer book, tefillah compiled by the Hatam Sofer during the cholera epidemic. There was an epidemic of cholera in the Hatam Sofer's days, and he compiled a prayer to make, special prayer. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank Rabbi David Sutton for putting it all together and getting it in book form. Now, this is not the final book form, but there are already 500 people using this book. And I'd like to go with it. I'd like to go through it with you and to see exactly what it is and how important it is. You open up the book, and it says, Tefillah compiled by the Hatam Sofer during the cholera epidemic. The first thing, there are eight parts to it. Part one is Anna, Teshuvah. Say Anna with El Erech with Vayavod, with the Yagmidot. That's part one. Understandable. We have to do Teshuvah. Hashem is waiting for us. Number two, part two. Tefillah before we read the, the Ketoret. This Tefillah was written by the Peleyo Ets. Now we're going to read Ketoret. Ketoret is one of the most important components of fighting a magefa, of fighting a plague. Believe it or not, we say ketoret, or at least we're supposed to say ketoret, before shaharit, during shaharit, before alelo shabeach, and in minhatam, before, before asher. Preferably to use a cloth, ketoret written on parchment. Now, why is ketoret so important that we have a tefillah from the Peleo Ets before we read the Ketoret during the days of a Magifah. And then after we read the Ketoret, we have another prayer from the Hatam Sofer. What is so important about Ketoret? Ladies and gentlemen, we could talk about this for an hour. 
But unfortunately, the time doesn't allow. Just let me give you one point. The ketoret, we all know, was the incense that was brought in the Beit HaMikdash before Almighty God. There are 11 types of incense. The word ketoret is a lashon of keshev, uniting, tying together. There are 11 different types of spices ketoret. The question is asked, why do you need 11? 10 is a minyan. That's precisely why Borel and I wanted 11. Because 10 means, I don't need you, the 11th one. No, 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 no. We need you. And the 11th one is the one that does not smell so good. It doesn't have a beautiful aroma. But when you mix it with everybody, with all the others, it's a beautiful smell. We have to become united, one community together in this. And that's what Hashem loves. Amazing that in tomorrow's Chok Israel, you can check it, in the Zohar, he talks all about the greatness of the Ketoret. I'm going to just read you one or two lines. Anybody who looks and reads the Ketoret every day, you will be saved from all terrible calamities in the world. Then he goes on. If you have kavana every day, and death will be taken away from you and the world. This is just part, few words of what the Zohar says in tomorrow's Chokli Israel. I suggest you all study tomorrow's Chokli Israel. Okay, so now we have the prayer before the Ketoret. We have the Ketoret itself, and then we have the Tefillah after the Ketoret from the Hatam Sofer. I just want to tell you one line that he writes in there. It's a very important prayer. We cannot explain the whole thing now. He says, This will bring stop to the plague. He goes on and on and talks about how Borei Olam will take away the plague if we read the Ketoret properly. Part three. Yoshev Beset and Elyon. We're all familiar with Yoshev Beset and Elyon. We say it every Shabbat morning. Yoshev Beset and Elyon. Rabotai, Yoshev Beset and Elyon is more against plagues. It will save you from destructive pestilence. And this, this, this panic of Tehillim goes on and on how Borei Olam will be with us if we put our faith in him. He will watch all our ways. And he says, I will save them because they know my name. I will call them and they will answer me. I'm with you in the day of Sarah. I will save you and respect you. You will see longevity 
that El Bishwaki and I will show them their deliverance. This is a very important pedicating to say every day it was designed against plagues. A beautiful, beautiful pedicating. Number four, El Melech Yosheva Kisera Hamim. We have to say the Yad Midot of God and we have to emulate those Midot of Borei Olam, especially during this time of plague. Number five, we're starting with some Sirihot. The whole panic that we say in Sirihot, how Borei Olam answered very great people throughout the millennia. Then the David, the Filata Pain, number six. Then number seven, Maheo Mase. Remember that it's really hot. Maheo Mase, Memito Mehe. Hashem hits and heals. Hashem has hit us, He will heal us. And then number eight, Rahamim Keshutim, also from the Siri Hot. And we say at the end, Anna Hashem Elokeinu. Hasid Mimenu, remove from us and from our households and from all house of Israel, the Chom Hachom Shehem, all the terrible things. David, Hedid, Ra'ah, Ra'ah, Shvi, Bisal, Mashit, Umagefah, remove from us all plagues, the Satan, the Yetzirah, the Cholayim, Ra'im, and all terrible sicknesses, Yetzirah, Me'amach. Rabotai, could you imagine if we distributed thousands of these into every home and now that we are home and we have all this time on our hands everybody in the community can make this tefillah every day as we are speaking we have to give another big hazako baruch and thank you to my dad avraham press who as we are speaking is working diligently through the night and all day today to translate many parts of this and to put it in hebrew and english in a beautiful book form Thank you to the Batesh family and the entire staff at Magan Abraham Press. We may even be able to have it by tomorrow. The question is, how do you distribute thousands and thousands of these beautiful uh, book of prayer when there are no synagogues and there are no gatherings? How do we do it? I don't know. We're going to leave that up to Rabbi David Haber and the staff here of community and they're going to figure it out but we're going to have it there will be thousands of them now my time is almost up my time is almost up and I'd like to just go over with you a number of other things which were brought down by from the greatest rabbis that ever lived of what things people should do during the time of Etzara especially when there's a pandemic there are many, many things. I'm not going to go through all of them, but quickly I'd like to go through a few. Number one, of course, Teshuvah, which we discussed. Tzedakah. Rav Chaim Palaji says, you don't need to give away millions of dollars. He says, take a pouch, put it in coins, carry it around with you, and when you ever see an Ani, give it to him. And he says, This is a Shmirah for your body, mikol davara umikol umidaber umimagefa, umidaber umimagefa. Again, this is a shemira. 
for you. Mikol davara umidever pestilence umimegefa and any type of plague. Rav Chaim Pagachi. Sedaka, simple. Next, lichazek bebitachon ulasir pachad menalev to remove the fear from your heart. That will give Boreolam enough to give us deliverance. I'd like to read it to you. Okay. God, he says, when a person has fishalom, has a plague, you cannot overcome that plague or wound on it if you are in fear. But those people that in their heart have bitachon, faith to Hashem, and they overcome the fear, and nothing bad could rule over them. Okay? Next. Believe it or not. Thank you. And it brings down over here that since Ashe Yatsar is a beracha that has to do with bodily function, if you say it with Kavanah properly all the time, imagine how many times a day we say Ashe Yatsar, Moreh Olam will take care of our body. You praised me for the body that I gave you. Now I will take care of that body for you. And it will prevent machalad, it says, especially in a time of plague. Very good. Okay, let's go to another one. Mitzvat v'nishmatem me'od nenafshotechem. One has a mitzvat aseh to take care of his physical being. And he writes in here, from the Peleo Etz, from Rabbi Akiva Eger, that we are obligated to listen to our doctors. And it's a big sin not to listen to the doctor because the Torah says you're supposed to. You shall certainly be cured. And Rashi says over there, From here a doctor is given permission to cure. And he writes over there, Especially when you're in a place of sakana, a place of danger to you and others. God forbid we could cause a spread of this disease, epidemic, pandemic, whatever you want to call it, and therefore you should listen. A person has obligation to watch over his physical being very much. How do you do that? It says by listening to your doctor. Good. Next. Zehirut misheke. Falsehood. To lie. He says it's a klal gadol. Ki mi shehu sheken bizmana magefa. Whoever lives in lie during the time of a plague, he says he's putting his life in danger. Next. Zehirut memachloket. Rabotai is very important. I can't begin to express to you what this means. Be careful from machloket, from bickering, arguing, fighting with other people. If you have anything with anybody, Make up with him today, now. He writes over here, All your life you should stay away from machloket. Especially in a time, in a pandemic. 
says that's the worst time and he explains why which we cannot go on to it uh, go on to it now but I want you to know take the word machloket and divide it up it's helik mavit it's a piece of death everybody should stay away from machloket whoever you have run-ins with whoever you have a spat with whoever you haven't spoken to in a long time fix it and fix it today why is kibud avayim? What does that have to do with anything? Because it says in the Torah, if you respect and take care of your parents, you will have long life. So if in this time where we see so many tragedies, we fulfill a mitzvah, the Torah which talks about long life, so that in itself will give us the zechut for long life. Good. Lo limrod berabanim. Do not rebel against your rabbis. Yisharu shelo yimremru b'talmidei achamim. Talk about rabbis. Maybe you don't believe in their position, what they're taking today. Do not argue with the rabbis. And he goes on to say why. I'm really not going to discuss it right now, but you should know it's a very serious matter. Then he gives it a positive spin. Some Rav Haim Palaji says that in the time of a pandemic, it is a great signal to cling to Talmidei Hachamim. And the last one, get ready for this, especially the ladies. What does that have to do with anything? Be careful with Hametz and Matzah. Now, Rabotai, we got major issues here. We got maybe hundreds, thousands of women who have been zochet to go away for many years for Pesach. Many, many years. Now, all of a sudden, they find themselves, their trip is canceled. How do I do this? How do I clean? How do I cook? What do I do? I could tell you Hashem is with you. Rabbi Yadid Hashem Yishvirei on the summertime in Deal at one of the Sudash of Yishits spoke specifically about this. That people shouldn't be going away on Pesach. They should be cleaning and find that Derashah that he gave and listen why. But now we're forced to. Don't take it as a bitter pill. Take it as a zechut. Because it says over here that it says it says over here. Let me read it to you. That the word hametz oled mispar magifa. If you take hametz and add it up, het mem tzadik, and you take the word magifa mem dim yud peher, they add up to the same number. Hametz is magifa. So if you take away hametz, you take away the magifa. Take away the leaven. You take away the plague. Rabotai, there is so much more to talk about, but my time is basically up. But I just want to conclude with the following Hazonish. Please, this is so important. The Hazonish writes the following. Hashem's watch over us corresponds directly to how much a person places his trust in Hashem. Did you hear that? 
it almost sounds like we can control our own destiny here. The more emunah and bitachon you have, the more Hashem will answer us to our request. Bitachon triggers Hashem's protection. That's what it's all about. We hope that this is going to be over very soon. I know this may strange, Rabota. I know this may sound strange. But please, I beg you, don't blow a glorious opportunity. Don't look at this as, oh no, I'm stuck. My business, my children's schools, my panasa. Yes, it's true, it's a terrible thing. And we pray every day that it should stop. But while it's going on now, turn your faith to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. En od mi Only HaKadosh Baruch Hu could save us. Take this prayer book that you will receive. Take a few copies for every household. Use it every day. Let's, as a community, make a joint effort in ridding ourselves from this terrible, terrible magefa that we never saw in our lifetime. And Be'ezrat Hashem, maybe we should, maybe we'll be so okay. Maybe this is it. Maybe this is the coming of Mashiach. Maybe this is the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to herald in the Mashiach. That's what we hope for. Be'ezrat Hashem, Yiratzon. We should be zocher through this terrible tragedy to see the light. And we should see the Geulah Shilema. Be'mera be'yameno. Amen. This is what Rabbi was doing, and uh, we're waiting for the second rabbi. This is again a community chizuk, and uh, for the Tanit events. Jerut Radio, JerutRadio.com, and Jerut. Now the Akiva Eger, the greatest Torah scholar of his time, asked that after his time had passed. He not be known as the author of Sifarim or Chidushim, that he not be known for the extraordinary Torah prowess that he had. His request to his people was simple. Please remember me as follows. Eved le'avdeh Hashem, a servant to the servants of God. In our generation, we have an Eved le'avdeh Hashem. And that is Rabbi David Ozeri. Rabbi, it is our privilege that you are here tonight to join us. But really, it's only fitting. Almost any new initiative in the community usually travels through the rabbi's doors. And this one was no different. When the idea came up at 2 a.m. in the morning, the very next morning, first thing I did was I called Rabbi Ozeri. And I said, Rabbi, what do you think? He didn't hesitate in his response. He usually doesn't. His response was very simple and very forceful. You must do this. You must make this happen. Don't delay. Do whatever you can. Get this going. And Rabbi, thank you for being the wind in our sails. And thank you for giving us such encouragement. Someone else who gave us extraordinary level of encouragement and helped us bring this project to fruition is Rabbi Joey Haber. 
Rabbi Joey as well was one of the first phone calls as I sought him as a speaker for tonight's event. First I called him and he said, okay. Then he called me back a few hours later and his words mimicked almost identically with Rabbi Ozeri's. David, this must happen. Our community needs it. And I don't know if he wants me to share this, but I will anyway. He was crying. In that conversation, he was crying. His voice cracked. He was visibly and physically shaken. That much was clear. His pulse is one with the community. He feels for the community. And tonight, it is as well our privilege to introduce Rabbi Joey Haber, Dean of Religious Studies of Mag and David Yeshiva and Rabbi of Mag and David Synagogue. Thank you, Rabbi David Haber, and thank you for this project, Community Chizuk. And Hashem should give you the Chizuk and the project of Chizuk to be able to give our community and our people the strength they need during this unbelievable time. And thank you for all of the affiliates and everyone that's connected to this for spreading the words of Torah around the country and around the community. Two weeks ago, if I would have told you that this that we're living through right now was going to be the script of a science fiction movie, you would have said, it's not believable. Yet in two weeks, we're living it, and our world has completely turned upside down. Our businesses, our learning, our schools, our lifestyles, the danger has been unreal. And so we've gotten so many questions. And I think it boils down to this. Rabbis, what should we think? What should we do? And what should we fix? And we're going to try to answer these questions. First, what should we think? And I think this is very important, and I think there's been a lot of people over the last week or so that have gotten this wrong. The Hafez Chayim writes a comment based on the Gemara and Masechet Berachot. The Gemara writes that the Yetzahara, the evil inclination, is like a fly that sits on both sides, both sides of our heart. Says the Hafez Chayim, what does that mean that the Yetzahara, how does the evil inclination on both sides? He says, I'll tell you how. He says the Yetzahara is on the left side, meaning the bad side, that it pulls us to do bad. And it wants us to do evil, which we all know it wants us to do. He says, but then there are some people that the Yetzirah can't get them to do evil. And he can't get you to do wrong. So instead, the Yetzirah convinces you on the other way, to do too much good. So he sometimes pushes you to too bad, and sometimes he pushes you to too much good. And then the Hafez Chaim himself says, let me give you an example. And listen to his example. He says the Yetzirah sometimes convinces you to have bitachon too much. 
It makes your thoughts think, that I don't need to do anything. I just believe in Hashem and I'm good and there's nothing I need to do. Says the Havetz Chaim, that's faulty. That's not faith. Because our job, ladies and gentlemen, is to believe in God, not to be God. We don't have the right to say this is nothing. We don't have a right to say it's overhyped. We don't have a right to say how it's going to turn. I have no idea. You have no idea. And nobody alive has any idea. We're not God. We believe in Him. And the Havetz Chaim then brings this example. He says there was in the time of the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash, the Nabi and Yehezkel warns the people, get bowls, you need bowls to knead your bread. And they didn't listen, they didn't pay heed, because they said, we have bitachon, and it's all going to be fine. That's not bitachon. That's not faith. That's playing God. That's not believing in Him. And what we're seeing today from Crown Heights community that has hundreds of people that have this disease, to Barapak that has hundreds, to, I'll be honest, I was in a shul only a couple of days ago. And maybe I shouldn't have even been there anymore, but I was in a shul a couple of days ago where there were 20, 30 members that were old in their 70s and 80s. The rabbi was 100 and looking around, is anyone paying attention? We're going to be fine. That's not faith. And by the way, the danger for us is more than anywhere else because no other community or no other nationality in the world gathers as much as we do. We gather to pray, we gather to learn, we gather to celebrate a lot. So if it starts to spread, God forbid, it spreads very quickly and very dangerously. So have faith means I trust Hashem. I know He's running the world. I completely believe in Him. And what He seems to be telling me to do, I'm ready to do. I'm not going to tell him, no, I'm not going to do it. If he tells me to go into the house, I'm going into the house. If he tells me to be careful and not to touch and not to shake hands, I'm going to be careful. If he tells me to sanitize, if he tells me to leave my place of business, I am going to not play him. I'm going to listen to him. And if the doctors tell us, this is what Hashem's saying. He's telling you to go home because this disease is telling you to go home. Then don't tell God what to do and then tell God how it's going to be and don't tell him that it's going to be fine. Tell him, I trust you. And whatever you need me to do, I'm ready to do. You need me to be home, I'll go home. You need my kids to be out of school, my kids will be out of school. You need me to learn from my house, I'll learn from my house. If you even need me to pray from my house, I'll pray from my house. You need me to shut my business for a little while, I'll shut my business because I trust you. Which now leads me to what do we do? So on last night, I sat my children down. We had family dinner, which we don't always get the opportunity to do, but now we're going to have a lot of opportunities, thank God. I sat them down, my kids, my boys, my girls, my wife, and I said, guys, the world changed. And I need you to realize this. Over the last week and really even the last two days, the world changed. A, the world changed medically. We're now in a time of danger, which now from this point forward means that you kids cannot leave the house, even to go around the corner, unless mommy and daddy both approve. Because you know, sometimes mommies and daddies have different ways of digesting the information, like I'm sure every house is having. So mommy and daddy both have to approve. The Gemara Masecha Baba Kama says it clearly on Daf Samach. It says, if there is a dever, if there is a plague, put your feet and your legs 
inside of your home. Lock the door, close the door, stay home. The second change that's happened to us is now we're going to be home. So whenever you're not around your friends, you're not leaving the house, you're just seeing each other, you're hearing about one challenge, another challenge, and another challenge, you're seeing your father nervous, your mother nervous, and it's going to, and you're gonna, it's going to be this anxiousness, we need to have structure, we need to have fun, we need to have joy, we need to realize that if we're going to be home or we're going to be stuck home, we're going to have to make the best of it. Because that same Gemara quotes a pasuk and it says, when there's a plague in the streets, when there's plagues and God forbid death in the streets, and inside there's fear, which means, and says the Gemara, even though sometimes in the home there's more anxiety than outside of the home. And the truth is that's what you're seeing. You look out the door and it seems like people are driving and people are going a little bit. It looks like this, though people don't seem so worried and inside the house is more anxiety. Even if there's anxiety in the home, even if there's anxiety in the home, we have to deal with that and we have to make those precautions. But here's number three, which is a change that happened that not so many people are talking about, but is very real. Medicine, anxiety in the home, and now number three is the finances. The conversations I've had with people in just the last two or three days, from the travel agent who has to shut down all his trips for the next few months, to the man in charge of the Passover trip that worked all year, that's now over, to the man who sells tickets to Broadway, tickets to Hamilton, there's nothing in the world more financially guaranteed than a ticket to Hamilton. Yet now, nobody, nothing. To the retail store that's afraid of no people in the street and maybe the government forcing him to close his store early. To the party planner who now has no parties to plan. To the makeup artist who now has no one's face to make up because there are no parties. To the wholesaler who realizes that the sales that he's going to project and have already got calls when they walked in on Monday, cancel this order, that order, that order, that order, that's laying people off. Financially, the world turned upside down to people who have lost millions of dollars just in a couple of weeks from the stock market. So I said, guys, we need to be ready for that. And we need to realize that everybody's going to be affected. And the steps we're going to take financially, we're going to get guidance from Yaakov Avinu. Everybody knows what Yaakov Avinu did. When Yaakov Avinu was facing the challenge of his brother, Esav, coming with 400 men, Yaakov Avinu prepared for battle. He sent him gifts and he prayed. What does that mean? Prepared for battle means, actually people don't realize this, he prepared to lose. He divided his family in half and said, if something goes wrong, I'll salvage the other half. Financially, what we need to do is come up with plan B and plan C. Your home, think it through. What does that mean for my family? Maybe it means different summer plans. Maybe it means canceling vacations. Maybe it means buying less clothing. Maybe it means being less, being more frugal. Plan B, and God forbid if we need to, plan C. Be ready if we're going to lose part. Be ready to handle it. The second thing Yaakov Avinu did was give gifts. What does that mean he gave gifts? Now think about a man 
whose brother is coming against him with 400 men. Would anyone think of sending gifts after gifts staggered? What I think Yaakov Avinu did is he was creative. He was creative. And you know what we have to do in our businesses? We have to get creative. We have to come up with new ideas because I'm telling you, someone in this time is going to come up with ideas that will launch their business for the next decade. So if that means a restaurant who has to find a way to bring the restaurant to your house, maybe they bring the tablecloth and the setting and the little candle and the whole ambiance to the store that doesn't do delivery that now has to do delivery and maybe set up a website and maybe set up deals to maybe the travel agent who sets up plans people's trips without taking any down payment. You got to get creative. And finally, number three, again, for our financial challenge, this is very important. Yaakov Avinu prayed, but you need to understand the prayers in a different way. You know, the Ramban holds that all prayer is from the rabbis, besides one type of prayer. Says the Ramban, the only prayer that is obligated from the Torah is a prayer in the time of pain. Prayer be'et sarah. He says that prayer is an obligation from God. You know why? Because that prayer is different than any other tefillah we do. Because when you're praying in a painful time, in a challenging time, the vulnerability is so strong and the vulnerability we feel so weak, which makes our prayers so powerful. When you feel like you don't know where to turn and you don't know where to go, you don't understand how powerful you are. Your prayers are so, can lift you up. And so our tefillot now, like I said, the world changed. It changed from the fact that we have to stay inside. It changed because there's anxiety inside. And it changed financially. And when that change financially happened, we're ready to do those three things. Prepare for battle with plan B and plan C. Prepare for gifts with coming up with creative ideas. And get ready to pray for real. Get ready to pray like you've never prayed before. The rabbi just mentioned ideas of what to say and what to pray. Get that booklet and do it. Surround your family with saying Tehillim every day. If you don't normally pray the right way, pray well this time. Because the prayer now, Be'et Sarah, is a whole different prayer. A vulnerable prayer is so strong and shakes the heavens. That's what you do when you trust Him. You see the way God wants us to do, and we plan for it, and then we trust Him completely. And finally, that last question. We answered what to think, what belief really is. We answered what to do with all that we just said. And then finally, what to fix. Now, the brothers of Yosef, when they realized that they were having trouble when they came down to Egypt, and they realized that Yosef was bothering them and they wanted them to bring down their youngest brother, they turned to each other and they said, Hashem wants something from us. Something that has to do with this. What has to do with this that God wants from us? They said, it must be he's upset that we sold our other brother. That's why he's giving us challenges with this brother. So I was trying to think, what does Hashem want for us that has to do with this? The last time we had a crisis and a financial crisis was about 2008, 2009. What's happened since then? That is something that you would say, God wants us to fix this. And I looked it up today and I saw that Instagram, what happened over the last 10 years? Instagram was created in January 2009. Excuse me, WhatsApp was created in January 2009. Instagram was created in October 2010. And Snapchat was created in September 2011. What's happened over the last 10 years is that social media 
was created. And social media has created an energy on the internet that the world never imagined. Which means, I, if I want to speak Lashon Hara, no longer do I talk to the person in front of me or even call one person. I can vibe that, so that, that negativity for hundreds of people to see in a nanosecond. And it's happened in our community this week. There are people who've gotten the virus or people who've made gatherings. And maybe they've made a mistake or two. I don't know. I'll tell you the truth. I've also made mistakes. And on social media, people are shambling them. Shambling them. Who are we to judge? I'm sure everyone's made mistakes in the last few weeks. You know why? Because the goalpost keeps moving. They keep telling us to do different things. First they tell us wash our hands. Then they tell us elbow people. Then they tell us social distancing. Then they say no big gatherings. Then they say no small gatherings. People take time to digest the information. And some people didn't digest it well right away. And some people didn't know who to trust. Yes, maybe you're a person who digests it and listens right away. Good for you. But not everyone is like that. And some people maybe had a celebration that maybe was a mistake. Or maybe they went somewhere they shouldn't have gone. I know I've made mistakes. I know I had some information over the last week. And I don't know if I handled it well. They should have done this. I did it. I should have. That's what happens. We all digest it differently. The goalposts keep moving. And so we can't, using social media to destroy people and to destroy lives and cut people out and bring people in and shamble people, it's been devastating our world and harming our community in catastrophic ways. You know what we need to do? Maybe we need to use it for the good. Do you know how many people are struggling right now? Do you know how many people have, do you know how many people I've been on the phone with in the last couple of days who are making weddings? Who I literally cried with the groom or the bride on the phone? Speaking to doctors? Do you know how many people's lives are upside down? How about if you have a friend who's getting married whose wedding you can't attend? Take a little video of you dancing in your house and send it to them. Or get likes on pictures of them at their ceremony so that people appreciate it. Or maybe minimize the use of social media. And maybe in some areas get rid of it. Because the devastation that it's creating is unbelievable. If someone's getting married, you can't wish them a brook. The people are sitting shiva in empty homes right now. Call them up. Give them strength. There are people that are sick, that are God, God willing, getting better, but they need your chizuk, they need your support. They don't need you shambling them on social media. So if you want to know what we can fix, we can fix the spreading of Lashon Hara, which doesn't just mean talking behind people's backs, the spreading of negativity, the spreading of so many vile things that happen so easily we don't even realize we're doing it. And there's something else we can fix that God is forcing us to fix. God made us all move in back home. Now you might say we already lived home. That's not true. A lot of us come to our house but don't really live there. Physically, emotionally, mentally, we're not really there. Here's our chance. Here's our opportunity. I hate to say this, but so many homes in the Jewish community and our community are failing. Their marriages aren't what they need to be. Their relationship with their kids aren't what they need to be. And it's understandable. They're so busy. They have so much work. There's a lot of stress. There's a lot that's happening in their life. There's a lot of good they're trying to do. And their home sometimes is the last thing on the to-do list. Work, business, caring, doing, learning, teaching, helping others. It all begins before my children. Well, now Hashem said to all of us, move into your house 
and rebuild it. Spend time with your kids. Spend time individually with your wife. Learn with your sons. Learn with your daughters. Pray with them. Strengthen them. Listen to them. Now you have the time to listen. Turn off the phone and listen to them. There's nothing on the phone other than negativity. Listen. Hear them. Build them up. Build happiness. Check through your home. See now as you're cleaning for Pesach, are there materials in my home that don't belong there? Because we need to rebuild and re-strengthen and re-energize and make our homes great again. So again, I think we've answered what to think, what true belief is. Hashem, I trust you. I don't, I am not you. I'm not going to tell you how to run the world. Number two, what to do. The changes that we need to make in our homes and in our businesses financially. And finally, number three, what to fix. The negativity and fix our homes. And I'd like to end with just a few words, if I can say, to Bore Olam, to Hashem. Hashem, you've turned our world upside down. You know best. And we know and we accept that this is for the best. And Bore Olam, I'm here to tell you that I hope and pray every single one of us are trying and are committed to do our best to be up to the task. Our schools have adjusted immediately. Our rabbis have already created hundreds and thousands of Zoom classes because they're ready. Our teachers are teaching from their home with their children running around. Our mothers are dealing with four or five and even more children in their house and they're up to the task. Our fathers are ready. Their businesses are changing. Their home, they're not used to it. We're up to it. Our kids are up to the test. They're tuning in either, either through video conferencing or through Zoom or through teleconferencing. They're learning. They're helping. They're respecting their parents. Bore Olam, you gave us a challenge, and we are going to do our best to rise to the occasion, to make you proud of us, to make you look at our nation and say, I turned you upside down and you responded right away. You're a resilient nation, not because you ignored me, but because you heard me and because you heeded my call. We're praying, we're learning, we're growing, we're changing, we're improving. We're going to be more positive. We're going to be more energetic. We're going to pray better. We're going to strengthen each other better. We're going to be there for one another. God, you brought us a test. Bezrat Hashem, we are up for it. And you also gave us a blessing because you gave us, at least in America, we came after China. We're already watching China get back on its feet. We already have members in our community who were, who were afflicted with this virus that are already getting better. So we're optimistic that we're going to make it through this. We'll be home for a little while. Hopefully most of the people that we'll deal with it will be young and they'll get over it quickly. We're keeping our elders really quarantined. We're doing what you ask us to do. You're showing us that if we do what we need to and we trust in you, it will get better and it will get great. So Hashem, no one would have believed if this was even a movie, let alone, let alone if this is real life. But we believe in you. We're going to do what we need to do and then we're going to fix what we need to fix. And Bezrat Hashem, in a month and two months, you will look down and you'll turn to all your angels and you'll say, look at my nation. Look at my children. Look at how they responded. Look at how they're different. Look at how they're great. 
Look at how they're ready. Look at how they trusted me. Thank you. This was all by Abel from Magenta Faith Synagogue. Waiting for the next speaker. This is Jeruth Radio, jeruthradio.com, Jeruth on the app, and uh, 718-506-9099, 718-506-9099, and uh, we have the next speaker. For our viewers who are just joining us now, we once again want to read to Sam and Samantha Sasson for dedicating tonight's event, Community Hizuk, the first of Isaac Sasson, Allah Shalom, and Mr. Jay Kasson, Allah Shalom. Again, the words of Hizuk and Devre Torah should serve as an aliyah for their neshama all the way to the Kiseh HaKavod, Bezat Hashem. We are now... program, we will make every attempt to keep, to have that on our site, communityhizuk.com, as a PDF. If you'd like to inquire about sponsorships for future events, future programming, please reach out to communityhizuk at gmail.com. Rabbi Saul Kasson was slated to join us in this particular speaking slot. However, he had to reschedule for our next program. He called us right before the event and asked, please, to share with you that, thank God, he's okay, everything's good. His obligations, however, in deal, require that he be there tonight. And so the rabbi will be joining us within uh, the coming next few days. To be a Rosh Yeshiva is, I would imagine, a very busy job. And I would imagine a very taxing job. To be at the helm of one of the largest shuls in the Jewish world, I would imagine, is also very taxing. However, when we reached out to Rabbi Yadid and asked him, please, Rabbi, we'd like you to join this inaugural program. We think the community could use it. I thought maybe I'd hear, listen, I have a school that I'm worrying about through this pandemic. I have a shul that I'm worrying about through this pandemic. The rabbi said no such thing. He said, of course. Tell me when. Tell me where. I'm in. So, Rabbi, we know that your obligations are many, and your time is, of course, valuable. And so we thank you, and I think I speak on behalf of the team that I represent, and for the tens of thousands watching live at home, we thank you for joining us. Rabbi Meyidir Rosh Yeshiva Yeshivat Darche Eretz, and Rabbi of Congregation Sha'aret Zion. Thank you very much, Rabbi Haber. Thank you to the team of Community Hizuk for this special night and hopefully more nights that will inspire our community. I'm here to tell you of a great opportunity. I know those words may not sound appropriate at this time, but I'd like to share with you 
a thought from a parasha that is very familiar to all of us, but maybe not the point that I'm going to say. We all learned the great story of Abraham Avinu when he was ill, he was in pain, and because of that, Hashem wanted to make it easier for him. So he made it extremely hot so that no guests would come on that day so he could rest. And of course we know that Abraham Avinu wanted to have guests at any price. He sat by his petah, by the entrance. And when Hashem saw how much Abraham wanted to have guests, even in his situation, Hashem brought on three angels to come and visit him. And we know the rest of the story. There are two critical questions on this story. Number one, why did Hashem need to make a miracle? Why was it necessary to send three angels? Hashem only makes miracles when they're absolutely necessary. In this situation, the only reason why there weren't people coming is because Hashem made it very hot. So all Hashem would have had to do is turn down the temperature and by nature people would come. So why angels? And number two, question on Abraham, why was he such in such pain that there were no guests? At the end of the day, if people don't need you, that means they're comfortable where they are. Why does that bother you? Why did Abraham want so much to bring, to do the act of kindness on that day? So I'd like to share with you a very important principle in life that I think is so critical in this situation that we're in. I'm going to give you an example of two people. This example could be millions of examples. But I'm going to give you two examples of people who are very committed to their learning and their tefillah with a minyan. They come to their 7 o'clock minyan and they learn afterwards every single day. One of them never misses. He's always there. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes he's out late. Sometimes he has a little bit of a headache. But through that, he still energizes himself and he shows up to Minyan and continues his seder every single day. This happens maybe five, six, seven times a year, maybe ten times a year. But he battles it and he continues and is there every single day. We have his friend who's also there every single day on time for tefillah, for his shiur. But this person, when it gets a little bit difficult for him, he's out late, he's not feeling so well, so he skips. A wonderful person, both wonderful people. In our eyes, both of them are the same. The only difference is this person has an edge of a couple of days over his friend. But in reality, this is not so. The person who steps up his game, when the difficulties come, is a different type of person. It's a different category of a person. It's not just, I came five more days than you, and therefore I'm five up. It's not that way. My entire learning, 
and my entire tefillot during my year is a different essence than yours because I was tested in the most difficult time and I made it. And when I make it in those difficult moments, I raise everything I've done till now to a new level. Not only that, it's also relevant to the future of these two people. When I go back to normal life, and it isn't as difficult as it was before, now we'll both be there at 7 o'clock. But my 7 o'clock is different than your 7 o'clock. Let me give you a mashal so we can understand what this means. You have a doctor who went to school, went to medical school, started to work. He's a regular doctor. He makes $200,000 a year. He works hard. And then he decides he wants to get one more title. He's going back to school to get an expertise in a certain area. After a few years of school, he comes back. Now he's a doctor plus. Those two years are not just an extra title. Going forward, he's no longer the same doctor. This guy's making now $500,000 a year because he's no longer the person he used to be. So too, when a person goes through a difficulty and he's able to withstand the challenge and stick with it and continue what he's doing even though it's not as easy as it used to be, that raises the person going forward. That even when it becomes easier, he's a new category. He's now plus. He's not the same. He's Joe plus. He's Abraham plus. And those challenging moments is what raises the person in the past and in the future. It's like a store. A person has a regular retail store selling food. He does good business. He works hard. And then he makes a major improvement in the store. He works for a month. He paints. He restructures. He advertises. Going forward, it's not just a month difference. Every single day going forward in that store, it's a different store. When a person goes through challenges and he withstands and excels through those times, he is a different person going forward. He is no longer the same. Abraham Avinu understood this opportunity. You see, Abraham Avinu was a man of kindness, but he loved kindness. He was comfortable. Hashem blessed him with wealth. Hashem blessed him with wisdom. Hashem gave him the time to help and the money to help people. And it was his pleasure. But when Abraham realized at that moment in his life, on that day where things were not going to come easy like they used to, now he's in pain. What would happen now? Abraham Avinu understood that it was specifically that day in his life that would make the difference for all the kindness of his life. All the kindness he did and all the kindness he will do is going to go to a new level if he would be able to continue his kind deeds in that difficult day when he was in pain. And therefore Abraham wanted so badly to raise not only that day, but to raise his entire life. And when Hashem saw 
that Abraham so badly wanted to do chesed. Hashem did not want to lower the temperature and bring regular people because that would be just another day of kindness. Hashem gave Abraham his wish that on that day he would be able to do kindness in the most difficult circumstance. And because he will do it, he will raise everything about him. Past and forward. Abraham Avinu rose to the challenge. You know, it's interesting. Abraham did so much kindness in his life. But the Torah highlights specifically that parasha. Imagine 150, 160, 170 years of kindness. Which story would you pick to choose for the Torah to stand for him and his children? Which one should we learn about? The Torah chose this one because it was this one that gave great credibility to every single act of kindness that he did. It raised even the easy types of kindness. When we go through struggles, like we're going through now as a community, as a nation, as an entire world together, Am Yisrael always asks, so what do we need to do? Before we even ask why, we have to ask what. What are the marching orders here? What am I supposed to do in this situation? So in order to know the what, you just have to read the map. And you have to see what happened. And what's going on in our lives today that, was, that is very different than what was a week or two weeks or a month ago. Today, we no longer are able to pray in a Bet Knesset like we normally would pray. Now we have to pray at home. Today, we no longer are able to learn in school or in yeshiva or in our habura or go to our shiur. Now we have to learn at home. Now we're no longer able to give charity like we used to. Rather, we have to sit at home. Everything is done at home. And if that's the cards that we were dealt, it must be that's also the instruction. Rabotai, our avodah during these days, hopefully, maybe weeks, is to turn into a real Jew at home. You see, it's very easy to pray when everybody else is praying. In fact, when you go to a room and there are so many people, you become, you feel weird not to pray. It's easy to learn when you have tables all around you of people opening a Gemara and learning, Havrutot learning, rabbis giving shiurim, action, energy. You sit in a shiur and there are hundreds of people. It's easy to learn when everybody's learning. But Hashem says, no, no more. 
go home. I want to see you learn in your house. It's easy to be happy outside because we all like to give a face of happiness to the world that looks at us because we want everyone to believe that we are perfect so we try to act the part of perfection. We may be miserable inside. We may have the most terrible shalom bayit. We may not get along with anyone in our homes. Our lives may be miserable, but in the street, we put on that big smile. We say that big Shabbat shalom. Hashem says no more. No more outside smiles. If you want to be sameach going forward, you got to do it in the bayit. You got to do it in your house. Let me see how you smile to your wife. Let me see how you smile to your children. Let me see your kindness to the people that are in your bayit. Let me see you pray. Let me see how you pray in your home. It's so easy to pray with kavana when everybody's praying with kavana. But how are you going to pray with nobody there? Nobody's watching you. What kind of tefillah are you going to have? You're going to pray a 10-minute tefillah, a 20-minute tefillah, a 30-minute tefillah? You're going to pray an hour tefillah? Are you going to watch everything you say? Are you going to concentrate? Are you going to do it at least as you would do it if people are watching you? You are the hazan. Everyone's watching you. No more. Now Hashem is watching you. Let me see what you're going to do for yourself. Let me see your bayit. The bayit's not only a house that we live in. The bayit is the inside of our souls. It's not only about tefillah. It's not only about Torah. It's not only about simha. It's about chinuch. Generally speaking, we send our children to school. Baruch Hashem, in our community, we send them to school because everybody sends to school. But Hashem says, no more sending to school. You now have to give chinuch babayit in your house because it's your obligation to take care of your children. Maybe we forgot about that. Maybe we just thought that it's part of being a parent to send a child to school. That's not what it's about. School is only a messenger for doing our job. The job is not done in school. The job is supposed to be done at home. School is supposed to help us. Hashem says, no more school. No more going to yeshiva. We want the yeshiva to be in your house. Is your house a yeshiva? Is your house giving the chinuch that your children are going to need to live a fruitful, successful Jewish life? Now it's on you. It's no longer on the people outside. It's about berachot. When we sit in the Bet Knesset, we sit around people, we make a beracha. A few days ago, I saw a person making a beracha in front of 30 people. He closed his eyes and he says, Baruch Atah Hashem Elokenu Melech Olam Shehakol Nihiyabit Baro. One of the most beautiful berachot I've ever witnessed. I took him over to the side. And I told him, I give you a beracha. He said, what's the beracha? I said, I pray and I bless you that you should make berachot like that in your home when nobody's watching. He was taken aback, but he understood. To make a beracha in public with kavanah, much easier. 
to give charity in public when people are watching you and people are announcing your name and people are seeing how kind you are? Easy. Let me see you give charity at home when nobody's looking. Let me see that beracha in your home. Let me see that calmness that you saw in the, that you show in the street. That cool, calm, collective strength that you show to other people. Let me see you do that at home. The avodah of the coronavirus is the bite. How are you doing at home? No more outside. No more acting. Sometimes on the outside we act. We're on stage. When we're on stage we have to look good. I could speak first as a rabbi. I too have to look good. I too have to act the part of a rabbi. I have to pray like a rabbi. I have to talk like a rabbi. Hashem says, Rabbi, sit down. Go home. You're a regular guy. Let me see how you are at home. Let me see the rabbi by himself. How he learns. And how he cares about his children. And he cares about his family. Let me see you pray the way you're supposed to pray. When nobody's looking at you. That's what I've been thinking about the last few days. And why now? If that's our homework, to turn our homes into things that I just discussed, why now? Let me tell you what the Vilna Gaon writes. The Gaon of Vilna writes that in the time of Mashiach, which many of our rabbis tell us that we're right here in the footsteps of Mashiach, he says, it will be a time of shithiyut. It will be a time of superficial living. Which means that it's no longer important. The quality of your shirt. It's more important to know who made it. The comfort of your couch isn't as important as the brand name. The speed of your car is not as important as the name that's on it. Everything is about brand name. It's not only about the clothes that we wear and the cars that we drive, but it's about our lifestyle. We build our brand in the street. We want to give each one of ourselves, we build our brand. I'm Rabbi Yadid, so I got to build the Rabbi Yadid brand. And then there's the Rabbi Haber brand, and Rabbi Ozeri brand, and then there's the Joe Cohen brand, and then there is Avraham. Everybody's got their own brand. And we're all trying to sell our brand. And when you start to become a brand, then all you care about is advertising. To sell brands, you don't have to have such great quality. You have to have decent quality, but you have to have a great advertising agency that's going to put your name out there all over. That people, when they see your name, they say, whoa, that person is unbelievable. Not because they're unbelievable, because you have a great team who's advertising you and is making you look good out there in the streets. Says the Gaon Mivilna that this is the generation before the Mashiach where everything will be superficial. Weddings will not be about the hatan and kala. It will be more about the entertainment, about what people will talk about. 
It will be about the flowers. It will be about the music. It will be about how much money we spent. About the wow factor. What about the hatan and kala? Where is the simha of the hatan and kala? Isn't that the most important part of the wedding? Not in the superficial generation. Even our shuls are following some sort of superficiality. Yes, we're supposed to go pray to Hashem to talk to Him. We're supposed to sit down, open our sidur, and pray. Talk to Hashem. It's obvious. Anybody in the street, you don't even have to be Jewish to know that. What do you do in a place of prayer? You pray. You talk to God. You open and you speak to Him. You speak to Him for five minutes, or you speak to Him for ten minutes, or you speak for 45 minutes. But that's what you do when you go to a place of prayer. But in a superficial world, it's not like that. You know, we talk about my shul. I go to my shul. What's your shul? This is the place that I learn. Where do you learn? Now it becomes teams. I don't like that. I don't like that about you. I don't like that about you. And each one is fighting for his team and for his building. That's called the superficial generation. Did we lose... The understanding of what tefillah is, that's the generation that we're living in. Where a person can go to Bet Knesset for 45 minutes and spend 5, 10 minutes socializing. You can go for 2 hours and for 20 minutes of the 2 hours you're talking. Of course our intentions aren't bad. And of course we're not doing it to spite, we're not doing it on purpose. But that's the generation that we live in. We live in the superficial generation. So as long as you're going to the right shul, and you're going to the right minyan, and you end up looking good in the place where you're supposed to be looked at by the people that you respect, that's a a good enough job. And that's for all circles. From the boy who's sitting down in yeshiva, to the person learning in Kolel, even that, even that world has a lot of shit hayut. It's about the yeshiva that I'm attending, or it's about the Kolel that I'm in. It's about, I'm the one that they speak about. I'm the one that has the name. Even there, they can come in that superficial view of Torah learning. But this is not what Hashem wants from us on any level. Like the Gemara says, Amale Rapapa le Abaye. Rapapa tells Abaye, Mai Shena Rishonim. What is the difference between the early generations? The Itrahish lehun Nisa. That miracles would happen to these people. Umai Shena Anan. And we don't have the merit to the same miracles as the early generations. And he tells him, maybe you'll tell me they learned more Torah than us. He proves to him it's not true. That we actually learn more than them. We know more than them. Yamara says that Abaye answered him. You're right. Maybe in today's generation, they learn more. Maybe they know more. But there's one major factor that's missing in our generation, says Abaye. 
he says that in that generation, Masru Nafshaihu Akidushat Hashem, which means they had Mesirut Nefesh. In our words today, it means they had heart. Hashem wants our heart. Hashem is not looking for the exterior. We must do the exterior. The exterior is the only way to get to your heart. Someone who says, no, I'm only a heart. That's nonsense. You can't just be a heart person. You have to